0: It is great to be here today. What a wonderful place to be in Tyler, Texas at Shiloh Road. We thank you guys so much for all that you've done for the kids of Haiti. You know, these children we've watched grow up, and we were watching some of these videos, and some of these kids are a lot bigger now, so we were, we were really enjoying uh, the videos and watching these kids grow from children, perhaps orphans, uh, to adulthood and it's so neat. We've been there long enough that we're seeing these transitions, and it's just so exciting. And you guys have been a huge part of this. If it hadn't been for you guys, the school would not be nearly as robust as it is. And as it is, we have an absolutely wonderful school. I am 100% biased. But we have an amazing school, not just in Haiti, but it's just an amazing school. We have a school with 24-hour electricity in Haiti that's absolutely unheard of. We have Internet access so the children can learn. We have teachers who are all college trained, which, again, in Haiti is just phenomenal. That doesn't sound as, as big in the States, I'm sure. But in Haiti, that's amazing. And so our children are learning. They, they learn three different languages, um, which is just phenomenal. They're learning great math and science skills And uh, so we have a wonderful school. And these kids love the Lord. And it's so wonderful to see their response. So many of these kids have been baptized um, at the Live Beyond Church. And it's just so neat to see them be able to gain momentum with their own faith. Uh, Many of them have come out of voodoo, uh, which is not another denomination, in case you were wondering. It's a satanic worship, which is predominant in Haiti. It's actually the state religion of Haiti, if you can imagine. And uh, these kids are coming out of that. So today I want to continue uh, with your, your wonderful study of um, the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to do a couple of comparisons as we look at Matthew 5. If you'll turn to Matthew five thirty eight. In your bibles or your ipads or your phones or whatever it's gotten different now i've been out of the states for too long i don't don't get all this stuff but i want to start with some stories i think stories are so important and uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately laurie and i have collected a lot of stories this first one's a little tough it was dark as we were leaving port-au-prince And driving down the Tomozo Road, we could only go about 10 miles an hour, partially because it's so rough and partially because it's so hard to see. There's no lights in our area. There's no electricity. As we came up to our compound, we went through our gate, and I noticed the security guards weren't in the right places. But I was focused on fixing a generator. I knew that our generator was out, and the entire southern half of our compound was in total darkness. I also failed to do one thing that I always do. Every time I come on the base, after having been gone for a while, I walk the perimeter looking for breaks in our security wall. I didn't do that. So, Laurie and I went to the generator house and I started working on the generator. About an hour passed, and I thought it was going to take me longer to fix it than I had first realized. And so, I asked Laurie to go grab some mattresses so that we could sleep on the floor in the hospital, which was on a different electrical system. And so, she did. I continued working for another 20 or 30 minutes and saw that I needed a different wrench. I keep all the good tools at the house, right? You guys understand that. So I I started the 200-yard walk toward our cottage. Pitch black, no moon. I rounded the corner and I heard Laurie scream. So I ran toward the screen. As I got closer, I heard her say, be careful, they're all around me. As I got there, I realized that four men had pinned her arms behind her back and were pistol whipping her. I saw the blood running down her face and onto her white blouse. The Lord was with me that night because as I raised a large wrench to exact vengeance, the men scattered like rabbits. I know that they didn't run Because of me, right? I'm an old white guy, right? The Lord struck terror in their hearts. So I took Laurie up to the guest house and washed her wounds, sewed up her face, bandaged her wounds, I thought she might have some broken bones in her face. And so we started the process of sending her back to the States. Her only crime was spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in a voodoo-infested area. She was beaten for that. I stayed. I wish I could tell you that I followed the scripture that I'm going to talk about today. I followed the first part, the Exodus 21 part, right? Not the Matthew 538 part. I wanted vengeance. And I was prepared fully to exact it. So let's look at Matthew 5.38. Let's look at where I went wrong. We could probably spend all day on that. (laughs) You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, Turn to him your other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So, the Mosaic Law, let's talk about this eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We like that one, right? Especially some of us who have too much testosterone, right? We like that one. That's great. Turn, if you would, over to Exodus 21 and let's look at this briefly. It's very interesting that the law of Moses, we don't know exactly what date it was given, but 1600 B.C., 1800 B.C., somewhere in there. There were two other codes just like it, except they weren't given from God, right? Almost just like it. That said almost the exact same thing. I like to think that we got the history a little wrong and that the law of Moses came first, but the Hammurabi Code and... Another code, the Sumerian code, say the exact same words. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. These three legal systems were the law until Jesus came. They were the law until Jesus shows up in Matthew 5 and changed the whole thing. Right? He put it completely on its ear. The nice thing about the Exodus 21 part is you get to exact justice, right? I could have exacted justice on these four guys. I think the Lord kept me from finding them. There's an equity isn't there. We like equity, even little kids. That's not fair, right? You ever heard that as a mom, right? That's not fair. I mean, they can, they can determine one millimeter of unfairness at age two. You know, it's just amazing. We like that equity of justice. You wrong me, I wrong you back. And there's an immediacy, right? I mean, we get to duke it out. Jesus changed all of that. Changed it mightily. So let's look at the way he did it. He eliminated our ability for retribution. He said, uh-uh. To me, you can't, you can't go after those guys. One of the, one of the words in, in this Matthew 5, 30, it's really interesting. It doesn't just mean that um, resist an evildoer, but don't seek vengeance on an evildoer. Is basically one of the translations, sort of interesting. He was saying to me, You can't do it. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is love. He gives us a law of love. He eliminates, apparently, that equity. We don't get to feel the result. Of gaining justice. He eliminates the immediacy. He says, I'll take care of it. Well, when? I mean, how many times do you know in in, in the prophets where they say, well, how long? Right? Got to wait a little longer. The immediacy is gone. We like that immediacy, don't we? He takes that away. And he firmly places the role of justice on God. hundred percent. He says, let me handle this. Let me handle this. You know, it's like, but God, I'm willing, right? You could subcontract this. I'd be glad to take this, this piece. He goes, no, that's not the way it works. Jesus said that we are not to respond. If we're hit on the cheek, we don't respond. Well, from the other cheek, You know, in in Roman times, the Roman soldiers could come to a citizen and say, you need to carry my burden for a mile. They were prohibited for going over a mile. This is where this comes from. And Jesus says, don't just go a mile. Go ahead and go two miles with them. Right? What if we were known for that? What if somebody said, First thing you think of when you hear the word Christian, what is it? It's probably not great today, but what if it were, oh, those are those guys. They they just they're so nice and they don't respond badly. I mean, you can hit them and they don't hit back. They don't say things that are biting back in an argument. They're they're peaceable. They love mercy. They forgive. You know, you say something bad, they go, "Hmm, sorry, must have had a bad day. What if that's what we were known for? Giving the role of justice to God. You know, he commands us in this passage to love our enemies. That wasn't the way it used to be. It used to be love your friends. Enemies, forget them. But now he's saying love our enemies. Not only that, we have to bless them. These four guys, I knew who one of them was. Know it. Know his name. Know his face. I was looking for him. I didn't know the other three. I was looking for him. He was the leader. It took me a while to be able to bless Ariel. That was his name. I'll have to admit, true confession time, I had to sort of fake it until I made it, right? I did it because of this scripture. I didn't want to do it, but I did it because of this scripture. I blessed him. I would get up in the mornings and I would bless him. I didn't smile when I did it for a while. I started praying for him after that. I don't want to say how many months it took started praying for him. Slowly, my desire to do him harm went away. Even though I started out very badly, the Lord redeemed the situation. He commands us to give food and drink to our enemies. Can you imagine... I didn't do this. But can you imagine if I had served him food and drink? Wow. That didn't happen. Because I can't really imagine it. But that's what the Lord commands. He wants us to give food and drink to our enemies. This is a completely different mindset, certainly than I had. probably still don't have it very well. This is a completely different mindset. I think it's really appropriate in our time right now, right? There's a lot of angst in the world. I mean, I know we got this pandemic thing going on. That's bad enough, right? When I studied pandemics in medical school, I didn't know it was going to look like this. This was sort of weird. But all the other stuff, there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of angst, a lot of anger, a lot of anger. What's our role? In that. What's our role? How do we respond? What are we going to be known for in this equation of angst? Do we join the angst? Are we peaceable? Are we loving? How do we respond as Christians? It's a challenge. Something we don't talk a whole lot about in church are the rewards. That we're offered, you know, we're offered rewards. I mean, I'm not just talking about, you know, sitting on a cloud playing a harp stuff, right? That was a little tongue in cheek. Um, nobody laughed either. Um, I'm talking about rewards that God gives us for doing stuff. He does. It. Do you know He does that? He does it. He says He does it, right? If we do this, we'll be called sons of the Father. I'm not saying this is a salvation thing. I'm not saying that at all. When you see, I've got three kids, right, two boys and a girl. When you see a little boy acting like his dad, what do you say? Ah, it's just like your dad. Hopefully it's not a tantrum. I mean, some of us dads have a problem with that. What do you say? It's just like your dad. You look just like him. Oh, you act like him. You've got the ability to play the piano. Not not for me, but you've got some talent. It's just like your dad. That's what he's saying. He said people are going to look at you and say, you're just like your dad. You're sons of the father. Sons and daughters, right? Got to put that in there nowadays. Sons and daughters of the father. How cool is that? I mean, raise your hand if you want some of that, right? I'm, I'm up for that, right? What, what would that take? Okay, I'll, I just, just got to love my enemies. That's what that takes. It, and it's not something that we earn, right? Not, we're not talking about that. It's just what our dad does. He loves his enemies. How much did he love his enemies? That he gave his only begotten son, right? That's a lot of love. And we weren't all his friends at that time, right? We were his enemies. Just like your dad. That's pretty cool. Something else. He says, "You do all this stuff. be perfect, as your father in heaven is perfect." He said, "Wait a minute. What are you talking about?" Well, I think this means completed, finished. It's a finished product. You think, well, I'm always always trying to get better. Yeah, but if you get this, ooh, you're going to be perfect as your heavenly Father. I'm not making this stuff up. It's, it's written down, right? You're going to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, there are other rewards that he gives us. He says, you know, nobody who's left lands and houses and fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters... For my name, we'll get a reward. A hundred times more now. Now, just in case you wondered when that was. Now and in the age to come. A hundredfold. If you're in the stock market, you'd go for that, right? You can gain a hundredfold now. Leaving lands Houses, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters for my name a hundredfold now and in the age to come. So he's into this kind of reward system, right? He's into that. He said, well, you say, well, that's a bad reason to do it. You shouldn't do it just to get the reward. I didn't set the system up, right? He did. Take it up with him. You know, if you don't like the system, that's okay. I'm good with the system. I'm, I'm going to try to get this thing going as much as possible. Be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Another big difference in the two systems, the Exodus 21 system and the Matthew 5 system, one takes more faith, right? If I had caught these four guys, right, wouldn't have taken any faith, right? We would have taken a little skill. Probably a lot of luck, too, but... If we say, I'm not going to respond, I'm going to let God do that. That takes a lot of faith. I mean, when you're sewing your wife's face up because four guys beat her with rods and pistols, just because she was spreading the gospel. You say, how do you do that? It takes faith. You can't. Just regular old man, regular old David Vanderpool, unredeemed. can't do that. I'd much rather fight. Redeemed David Vanderpool, it takes faith to do that. These guys were on the loose. The police didn't help us at all. In fact, they probably hurt us. These guys were on the loose for years. They knew where we were, right? They could have revisited us at any time. In fact, they did. The next year, one of the men who you saw talking on the video, really good-looking Haitian guy. I don't know if you noticed him. He was our base manager. John, my best friend in Haiti. Some of you remember him. They murdered him just outside our gate. Shot him in cold blood in front of his wife and his son. What do you do? You leave Haiti? I confess that entered my mind more than once no you turn the other cheek but you know what happens when you turn the other cheek right last fall the same gang kidnapped two of our employees two men solomon and brian i'm sure you guys know them right they tortured him for four days awful torture Just turning the other cheek doesn't mean it stops. Right? The Lord allowed us to get Solomon and Brian back. Brian couldn't handle it. The stress was too great, and he left Haiti. These are Indian men. Solomon's still there. It takes a lot of faith to do the Matthew 5 thing, the Exodus 21 thing. That. So, let me tell you a story about faith. This is Berline. Y'all know Berline. Berline is a live wire. You can probably tell by the picture, right? She is a, a wonderful person. We knew she was a prostitute. Did that just conflict those two, those two sentences? May have. We knew she was a prostitute when we hired her. She was good for the job, right? We hire her to try to win people to Jesus. I mean, that's what it's about, right? And she's a lot of fun. You would like her a lot. She's very likable. So we would talk to her about becoming a Christian. And she, we have chapel every morning, and then church on Sundays. And she would, she would come down front, weeping, just weeping, and saying, "I, I, I just, I just can't do it. I, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't do it." We said, "You can't do what?" She said, "I just can't become a Christian. Why can't you become a Christian? It's, it's this is, it's, it's easy. It's all you have to do. It's right here." And she said, I, I, I just can't. That happened many, 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 many times. She would say, okay, this Sunday, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to, I'm going to confess Christ and I'm going to get baptized. Didn't show. Happened over and over and over. One day, that one Friday, she said, okay, this Sunday, I'm coming forward. We had a team an American team there. She came forward. It was stunning. I was just shocked that she was there. She walked forward. One of the things that we do in Haiti is we have people confess their sins publicly when they come forward. You know, it's sort of in the Bible. We don't do that much anymore, but <clears throat> it's a Haitian thing. Well, I mean, we knew she was a prostitute, Right. Everybody in there, except for the Americans, knew she was a prostitute, right? Especially the men. So she started confessing her sins. And and we were translating for the Americans. We were sort of trying to edit it on the fly, just in case it got a little out of hand, you know. And she she started saying, I was a prostitute. But then she said something I didn't know. She said, "I, I was the temple cult prostitute for the voodoo temple. Well, I mean, that's a different story. I mean, it's sort of basically the same thing at the end of the day, I guess, but that's a big deal. Because she said, I signed my name in blood on the contract when I said I would become the temple prostitute, cult prostitute in the voodoo temple. And if I if I leave it, they'll kill me. That's the deal. It's a contract. They kill me if I leave. Well, that's why she had such a struggle in coming. We thought she just liked the extra money, right? It was a little more than that. Bear lean. She came up out of the water, utterly transformed. She was washed clean. She said, now I can die. She fully expected that they would kill her, had no questions. They didn't. She's still going. So we're good. She never misses chapel. She never misses church. She's always on the second row, singing her heart out. Completely transformed. Completely renewed. Absolutely amazing transformation. you have to come meet her sometime. She's wonderful. So let's talk about... What do we do? What do we do with this information? We can't just have the lecture. we got to have the lab, too, right? I know, I did the science thing, so it makes sense to me, right? But we got to have the lab. What are we going to do with this information, right? Do we just tick the box that we showed up on Sunday, right? Hey, I came during the pandemic. I get extra points for that, right? What do we do now? What if we have people who've hurt us? We all have people who've hurt us, right? What are we doing with that right now, today, right now? What are we doing with that? Are we, wanting, are we thinking about how we can get them? Right? You don't have to nod your head, but it'd be okay. Are we thinking about how we're going to destroy them, how we're going to hurt them, how we're going to make it right? How are we going to exact vengeance? We're going to get equity here, right? What if we love them? What if we love them? What if we bless them? What if we get up every morning and we just bless them? We say, Lord, I want you to bless Ariel in the name of Jesus. I want to bless whoever your your person is in the name of Jesus. We just say that. Just say it, right? Sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it, right? It's not easy. We ask the Lord to bless us so that we can bless them, to change our hearts, to become different people. What if we start praying for them? Ooh, really? That's sort of hard. What if we, every time we pray, maybe it's at dinner, maybe it's before we go to bed, maybe it's in the morning. We name them, and we ask the Lord to bless them. You know, faith does crazy things. You know, there's a difference in belief and faith, right? Same Greek word, but there's a difference, isn't there? Because the demons believe. Demons believe. They're not going, They're, not saved. they're probably good on that one, right? What's the difference between belief and faith? Not everybody at once. You can talk in church. It's okay. I got it. It's okay, right? What's the difference in faith and belief? Faith has a couple of things belief doesn't have. Act. I hear action? I'm a little deaf. I'm a whole lot deaf, actually. Action. Okay, I got action. Great. Sorry. The mass I have to read lips, too. The mass are killing me. Action. There's a big difference, right? Are the demons active in a good way? No, no. They don't act out of their belief, right? Faith requires action. you got to do something, right? What if we did that? What if we said we're going to bless our enemies? That'd be something. I think faith requires something else. It's my opinion here. You can underline that. that's my opinion. You get what you pay for for that one. I think faith require, requires risk. Risk. We don't like risk. I'm risk adverse, right? I'm not risk adverse. I love risk, actually. But I think faith requires risk. You know, it's a little risky not to go ahead and take care of this guy right now, right? Because he can come back and hurt you. Yeah, that's what he did for us. You can go ahead and take care of the situation. Everything will be cleared up. Except this, this Matthew 5 thing says we're supposed to turn the other cheek. This Matthew 5 thing says don't pursue that. Let God get vengeance. Right? That's risky. What if your faith requires the risk that you go? That you go. You know, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. It's risky. It was risky for Abraham. He left Ur. It's a great place. Never been there, but I hear it's great. I mean, he had running water. They had hot baths. It was amazing. I don't think they had fast Wi-Fi. I think it was still dial-up. And he left that, right? And he went all the way around to Israel. They didn't have anything. I mean, it was no Wi-Fi or anything. It was risky. That's the way our lives are meant to be lived, right? If people aren't calling you crazy, you're not out there enough, right? you got to really get out there. Believe me, people call us crazy on a minute-by-minute basis, and and they're right. We don't disagree with them. I think faith requires risk. So what is the Lord calling you to risk today? What is it? Is it risking vengeance on somebody? Is it risking your life for somebody? What is it? When the Lord said, go and all the world and preach the gospel, oops, sorry, that was risky. That's a risky proposition. It's safer to be home, right? And we need to be spreading the gospel at home. If we're not doing that, we don't need to go, right? But the Lord may be calling you to, be, to live a life of risk. Did Jesus live a risky life? Here Jesus lived in heaven, right? Streets of gold, pearly gates, right? He was in the ultimate gated community. Isn't that right? I mean, nobody comes in, nobody comes. It's, it's safe, right? He had all of his friends. He had all of his family. They were all right there. His father, everything's right there. Right? Who could hurt Jesus in heaven? He's good to go. And yet, he chose to leave that ultra safe environment, wealthy, so wealthy, protected. He chose to leave that environment and come down to this rock, right? that was smelly, it was dirty, it was sin-ridden, it was dangerous. He chose to come down. And he didn't come down as a wealthy man, did he? Did he come down as a ruler? He's coming back as a ruler, right? The first time, he did not come down as a ruler. He came down as a poor man. He He was born in a cattle trough, sheep trough. Right, He lived as a poor man. He didn't have a house. He wandered around Judah and Galilee with a bunch of guys. They camped out. He was poor. He chose that. And he chose to take the risk to be tortured and die for me. For you. Aren't we supposed to be like our leader in that sort of the way that thing works? I think a lot of people think we're going to get out of this life better than Jesus did, right? How does that work? That doesn't even make sense, right? We don't don't get out of it better than our, our leader, do we? I mean, his was a little tough. He was tortured to death. When we moved to Haiti, Laurie and I had this discussion Are we willing to die a horrible death? In Haiti, they put tires around you, so you're pinned in. They pour diesel on you, and they burn you. That's a common way for the voodooist to kill people. We had to come to grips with that. Are we really willing to do that? We had to be. That's what we had to look forward to, right? We're still willing to do that. We have to be. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it every day I feel that way. (laughs) But we have to embrace the way that Jesus died. We need to embrace the risk that is our faith. Because faith, I believe, requires risk.